Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Yo, that's a super catchy tune right there. That's, I like that. Big shout out production team. Let's go. Hey, friends and fam in the room. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks for crashing a party all the way up in the balcony. We see you up there. Splash zone here in the front. Everybody watching online. Thanks for tuning in with us. We'd love to have you here, here one day, but you're here, here today. So that's cool. Uh, we, le- we love you. Um, listen, last couple of weeks we did the GOAT series and uh, I went up to Walkertown. It's crazy what God's doing up there. It's growing like a weed on that campus and great relationships in the community. Uh, people are, are, man, understanding who Jesus is, starting a relationship with him. North Campus, Rural Hall, Rue Hall, uh, found out that's what they call it up there. Uh, went there. That was fun to be with. But man, missed you guys. Good to be home. And uh, we got some home cooking this morning. Uh, if you have like a first time guest, like this is, you feel like this is my first time for you because this is the first time you've been here more of the last five weeks than I have. Um, so we'd love to connect with you and meet with you uh, if I haven't yet. But today we're starting a brand new series called Squad. Uh, Squad is all about the people that you have around you in your life. Uh, your friends, your family, your influences that you have around you. Now, now, squad is actually short for squadron. Squadron is a, a military term for a group of people, uh, but uh, it was actually made famous in our culture. you probably familiar with the word squad because about five years ago, uh, Taylor Swift, don't all roads lead back to Taylor Swift? Uh, Taylor Swift posted a picture of her greatest like friends and she was like, this is my squad. And then all of a sudden, uh, the, the hashtag squad goals became popular on, on social media. And uh, so it ma- made me start to think, what are, what are some of the greatest squads of all time? Uh, when you say squad, when you think about these people that you have around you, who do you think about and what do you think about? Any, any 90s kids in here? You grew up in the 90s? All right. So uh, this was pop, probably the most popular 90s squad of all time. Calm down. All right. <laughs> Friends, man, it's, you look at this team. I, don't, I think this is a girl's show because like, I know who it is, but I didn't watch it. So maybe it was a girl's thing. Maybe there's some closet guy friends watchers uh, in, in our midst. But, uh, you know, as you, as you look at the characters, you know, maybe in your squad you think it'd be fun to have like a Joey, like a funny uh, guy. It'd be fun to have like just a caring or compassionate person. Maybe you like Rachel because uh, she's like the fashion forward person. Some of you had the same haircut as Rachel back in the 90s. She was famous for that. And some of you still have that haircut. It's time to move on. All right. Come on back, come on back into the 2020s. Um, so uh, th- that was the squad for the 90s. So maybe that's a little too old school for you. So let me tell you about maybe a more recent squad uh, that's super popular, uh, the Avengers, right? I mean, I mean, this team is made up of a lot of different individuals. Yes, Iron Man can save the world. Yes, the Incredible Hulk can make it happen. Uh, yes, Black Panther saved the world. But when you get all of them together, now that is a squad, okay? That, that series of movies was just incredible. Uh, so maybe, I, I don't know if girls watch that. So you've got a 90s girl squad, and then you've got like a teenage boy squad is, is the Avengers. Um, but growing up in my home with two girls, let me show you who our squad was. This is who we roll deep with in my house with my girls, especially in the top left-hand corner, Anna and Elsa. 
Listen, that glove that Thanos wears, we'd have had that a long time ago back in Arendelle where it belonged if this squad would have shown up instead of the Avengers. Like, I'm rolling with this team right here. This is it. They got got all I need right there. And so that's who I think of when I think about squads or, or, or teams. I'm a girl dad, but what about you? Who's your squad? Who do you have around you? Uh, your, your, your friends, your, your neighbors, who's there to encourage you? Who's there to, 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 to coach you? Uh, a, a pastor out in Atlanta, his name's Andy Stanley, pastor of a large church, he said this, you will never reach your full potential without tapping into the wisdom of others. He essentially says, you will never be the man or the woman that God had created you to be if you are living in isolation. You got to learn how to identify people and bring them into your squad so that you can kind of tap into that wisdom of theirs to make you better. Now, I'd love to tell you that that was original from Andy Stanley, but everything that I get is from the Bible. Everything that he gets is from the Bible. So I'll show you where, where God actually said it first. Proverbs 11 says, without guidance, people fall. But with many counselors, there's deliverance. Hey, you want to set yourself up for failure? You want to do a face plant in your marriage with your money, in your job, in your career, and with your family? If, if that's you, then do it alone. And the Bible says you will surely fail. But when you surround yourself with the right people, then they can set you up for success. They can, they can impact you in a lot of different ways. Everybody in here needs a squad. We need somebody that can coach us. We need somebody to encourage us. We need somebody that when we get too big for our britches, they know how to knock us down a notch. You need somebody that if you've been knocked down and you've stayed down a little too long, somebody that'll come alongside you and pick you back up, dust you off and and help get you back on on your path to help you continue moving forward. Like you need that. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna show you who you need in your squad. It's four different people and we're gonna break this series down over the next four weeks into these different categories. So here's your, here's your hashtag squad goals that, that, that I hope you see in scripture over these next four weeks and, and have in your life. The first one you need, here's your squad. First one you need is you need someone above you. You need someone beside you. You need someone below you and you need people around you. Sneak preak, this is what this sermon's going. You need somebody above you who's a mentor. You need someone beside you who's a cheerleader and an encourager. You need someone below you that's an apprentice, someone that you're investing and pouring your life into. And then you need a, a family. Now in the Bible, this is the model that we call making disciples. Like that's, that's how you make disciples. One above, one beside, one below, and a lot of people around. But today, to kick off the series, I, I want to I wanna start with the very first one, the mentor. Let me tell you why this is a game changer. There's a term in social science called the law of averages. And essentially what this means is you are the sum, you are the product, you are the average of the five people in your life that you spend the most time with. Think about that. Because there are some people in this room that you're not where you wanna be in your life and it's not because you didn't work hard enough. It's not because you didn't dig deep. It's not because you don't want it. Some of you are not as far along in a certain area of your life because you've surrounded yourself with the wrong five people. And you have just become an average of the five people around you. And unless you change your squad, you are never going to become the man or the woman that God has called you to be. So who's in your circle? 
Maybe the frustration you're feeling is, is not because you're not good enough. It's because you've surrounded yourself with people that are not moving at the same rate in the same direction that you are. And today might be the wake up that it's time to take some people off the friend list and surround yourself with the right people. So today we're gonna talk about the mentor. We're gonna talk about the person that is above us. Uh, Maybe mentor is not a word we use a lot. Uh, We use the word coach. Um, when, you, when you talk about your career or if you're learning a, a new sport or uh, an instrument, you have a coach. Some of you have a life coach, a career coach uh, to push you forward. Some of you have a financial coach uh, that helps you invest your money and, and, and make the most of it. Uh, but some of you uh, in, in the social media world, we call it influencers, right? There are influencers on Instagram that show you how to dress, uh, how to be a good mom or a good dad, how to manage your time as, a, as, a, as an adult and as a parent, like all kinds of different ways that people are influencers. But the idea is still there. Most people are looking for a mentor, someone to help them get better in various areas of our lives. But let me, let me, let me stop. Because some of you have already written off the idea of mentor. You've already written off, you're saying to yourself, I can't be a mentor because you've got this one idea of what a mentor is. They're old, right? Like when I think mentor, uh, like I think Mr. Miyagi to Karate Kid, right? I think Obi-Wan Kenobi to Luke Skywalker. Like you've got to be old. Like here's the deal. If, if you pull out your phone right now and the, the size of the font on your phone is still the factory settings, like you're not old enough. You're not old enough to be a man. But if you have ever increased the size of the font on your phone because you can't see it, like you have officially crossed the threshold of being a mentor. Welcome to the party. You can be a mentor. But that's just not the case. Being a mentor does not mean you are chronologically older than someone. Being a spiritual mentor is this means you're more mature spiritually than they are. And you can have people in your life that are more mature than you spiritually, but are younger. And those people have a lot to offer. Uh, let me prove it to you. Downstairs in our kids' ministry right now, uh, half, I would probably say half, of our volunteers are part of our student ministry. Now, for some of you parents, that terrifies you, right? But not, listen, they're not in there by themselves, okay? They have adults in there with them. But these are 17, 18-year-olds that are looking at five-year-olds and say, I can help them. I can tell them a story about Jesus on their level. And they're 18 years old. They're 16 years old. Like, they're not old. They don't have a long bandwidth of life experience to offer. These are just 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds that are looking at eight-year-olds and say, hey, I know a little bit more than you do, so why don't I tell you what I know? Mentor. That's what a mentor is. Show up on Wednesday night to our student ministry. 95% of our student ministry team across all three campuses is is in their 20s and 30s. 20-year-olds that are looking at 15-year-olds and say, man, I'm just a few years older than you, but man, I wish I had somebody when I was your age to tell me what I was gonna navigate in life and how to handle relationships and peer pressure and all the kind of stuff that teenagers are facing today. And so I, I get I'm 25 years old and you're 15, but I can help you. And you got 20s and 30s, newlyweds, some singles. I mean, you got got Chase and Maddie and and, and John in the back running production. They all volunteer with student ministry. And Caroline, she's a school teacher involved in student ministry. Slightly older, but just say, hey, I can help you. I know a little bit more than you do. That's the model for discipleship in the Bible. Like, do you know one thing more than I do? Well, then get with me and tell me your one thing so that I can know it too. You're a mentor. So here's my challenge for you today. 
Every single person in here has two steps that you can take. For some of you, it's time for you to step up and to be a mentor to someone else in our faith family. Like you are a little bit further along than somebody else in this room and they would love to know what you know. When we first planted Revo, we had a room full of 25 to 30 year olds and it was awful. I was the pastor at 26 years old, standing up on that stage preaching, been married for five years and I had the most successful marriage in all of the room. Like I was like, please, look, I know it, it seems cool to have a young church. I was literally praying, God, send us old people. Like, please, like somebody over the age of 40, please, God, I need some help, man. These young people are crazy and I just need some help. And so if you're over the age of 40 and you are here today, you are uh, uh, an answer to a prayer. Uh, you're welcome. We prayed you into this building. Praise God you're here. <laughs> You can be a mentor to someone, but I also want to challenge you on this. Every person in here needs a mentor. There's someone in here that knows more than you do in, in life, in marriage, in finances, their relationship with God, how to parent. Like, they know a little bit more than you. And so those are the two steps. Like, th this, I'm just telling you now what I'm going to ask you to do at the end of the service. Just ask God, who can I mentor? And ask God, like, how can I get a mentor? Because, like Andy Stanley said, you will never reach the full potential of your life until you learn how to tap into the wisdom of others. We're going to look at maybe the most famous mentor in all of the New Testament, this guy by the name of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul planted all of these churches that have these letters written to him in the New Testament. He wrote the majority of the New Testament, an incredible leader, an incredible pastor and preacher and communicator, one of the greatest mentors that we see in, in the book of, of Scripture. And so he actually writes a letter to this church in Thessalonica and explains to them how he mentors them and how he observed this role. There's three things. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot down. If you have the Revo app, all the Scripture, all the notes will be there. Three things that if you want to be a mentor or are looking for a spiritual mentor, that I want you to jot down so that we can learn from Paul. Uh, let's start the story in verse seven, the second part of it. Here's, here's what Paul says. Uh, Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Paul begins to explain the relationship that he has with this pastor, with this church, with these people, these Christians that make them his apprentice and, and, and he is the mentor. He says, man, I love these guys like family. Like, like, a, like a mom that's protective of their kids. That's how I felt about you. He keeps going, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but we shared with you our lives as well. Paul's not talking about a professional relationship with them, like you pay a, a coach and you go and meet in their office and they give you homework. Paul says, we were family, man. Like I treated you like like family, I opened up my whole life to you. There was nothing that I had that I didn't give to you. That's what it looks like. That's what this special relationship is. He says, you, you, were, you were witnesses and so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that, that we dealt with you, each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and to his glory. Paul says, man, I didn't want anything from you. It's not like Paul was running a pyramid scheme where like every church he planted, he gets a kickback. Uh, he said, nothing about this was about me or for me. I'll even remind you about Paul. The church did not pay Paul. 
Paul was a tent maker. He had a full-time job and then did church on the weekends. Like he followed God in his business nine to five, but was also a pastor to all these churches and a mentor at night in the mornings and on the weekends. So it wasn't like Paul was like, hey, I need to be your friend because you're paying me to be your friend. And so I just want to make sure I'm, I'm doing my end of the bargain. No, it was no strings attached. Paul says, I love you. And I know God's got a plan for your life. You need a mentor like that spiritually. So here's three things I want to share with you real quick. As, as you, again, praying over, like, God, is there someone here that I can take underneath my wing? Someone that I can mentor in our faith family, just pour my life out into? And then for those of us that are looking for a mentor, we can step back and say, what would I see? What would I look for? What am I trying to identify in someone that would be willing to invest their life in me? And how do I pursue that? The first one is this, good mentors, good mentors. This was Paul. Good mentors are filled with love and truth. Love and truth. Paul talks about the relationship that he had with the people that he was mentoring as parents. Like I'm your, I'm, I was like your mother and your father. Like I was a spiritual parent to you. Well, as a parent, uh, I can tell you a, a line that we walk as parents is the line between uh, truth and love, right? We, we got to love our kids. We want to love our kids wholeheartedly, but, but we still got to uphold the truth. Like there is a right and wrong. There is something that you need to do. And I'm going to show you that and tell you that in a really kind and compassionate and, and loving way. Like you need people like that in your life. You need people that will tell you the truth no matter what, but that love you no matter what. And those two things are, are intertwined. You need both truth and love. Now, here's the reality about most people in the room. We are good at one of those, right? You ever met people that are like truth people? Uh, they're like, hey, I'm gonna tell you like it is. I don't care if you like it or not. I don't care if your feelings get hurt. Uh, I'm gonna tell you because this is true. And if you don't like it, get over it, right? So some people are like that. It's just 100% truth. Like if you cry, I don't care. Don't bring those tears in here. I don't care. It does not affect me. Pull yourself together. And then there are the others that are 100% love. And 100% love people are, yeah, you can do no wrong. You ever met people like this? You can do no wrong. You are perfect. You are perfect just the way you are. Like don't change. And you could be running your life in the ditch and they're looking at you like, You're, you look better in the ditch than anybody I've ever seen in the ditch. Just keep going, girl, keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they refuse to say something that might hurt your feelings because it's all about love. And so even in our culture, this is the culture we live in, it's all about love. Shouldn't you just love people? Isn't that what God did? He just loved people. Isn't that what Jesus would do? Like, don't say the hard stuff. Like, just love people. Love. It sounds so good, right? Here's what our culture has done. The Bible says God is love, but our culture has flipped around and said love is our God. And you need to love no matter what the people do. You need to love everyone no matter where they go or what choices they seem to make. And I would argue that scripture says that there are times in our life where we have to combine the aspect of love but still hold on to the truth. Because just because you love something does not mean that it's godly or good for you. I love little Debbies. Love them. I would eat them all the time. Oatmeal cream pie, fudge rounds, Swiss cake rolls. It don't matter. I love them. I love eating them. I love how they're individually wrapped so you can just grab one 
You ever notice how little Debbie's, you know, they're, they're packaged in that real thin cellophane where you just grab it and like it just pops open, right? Like you just pull one out of the top and you're like, oh, it's meant to be. Just pop right open. Oh, I opened it too far. Now I got to eat both of them. I can't save them. I don't want it to get stale. How convenient, right? Love little Debbie's. And, and, and some of you and some of us, we live in a culture where it's like, well, if you love it, do it. If, it's, if it opens that easy, it must be right. Hey, man, look, like, uh, you need people in your life that'll say, hey, look, Nathan, you need to put down little Debbies, okay? You keep eating those little Debbies, you're going to be a big Debbie one day. So slow, slow down, okay? I love you. I know you love those. But I got to shoot you straight. You can't eat that. Isn't it interesting how little Debbies are so easy to open, but canned vegetables are so hard to open? You know what I'm saying? Like, I got one of these can overs where you got to grab the handle like, and squeeze it and then turn this one. But you got to hold it upright so the juice doesn't fall out. Well, that's too hard. Let's just eat another little, pop, open another little Debbie. Hey, sometimes we got to do hard things. And a mentor is going to look at your life and say, hey, I know you love little Debbies, um, but you can't eat that all the time. Like, that's, that's not, the, I know that brings you fulfillment. I know it makes you feel warm inside. I know you'd love the, I know there's a thousand different flavors that you can try, but hey, heads up, if the only thing you eat is little Debbie's, it's going to lead you to a place that, that you don't want to go. You don't want to be stuck with that. Do you have anybody in your life that's willing to tell you the truth in love? Do you have anybody in your life? When's the last time somebody looked at you and said, hey, heads up, I love you, but that was stupid. Like I got people in my life who's like, hey, hey Nathan, like I love you, but what you said, like, that was, that was a dumb way to handle it. Like, that was, that was not right. You have anybody like that? Here's, here's another way that, that I like to, to, to put it. Do you have anybody in your, your life that loves you more than they love being your friend? See, if somebody just loves being your friend, then they will never say anything hard to you because they don't want to lose the friendship. If they only love being your friend, then they're going to agree with you 100% of the time. You need some people that love you so much that, like, if I say what I'm getting ready to say and you get mad at it and there's a season where, like, we're not BFFs anymore, that's fine. I love you too much to see your life go in the wrong direction, so I'm going to say it. That's what Paul did, truth and love. They, they, they hide, I mean, the mentors will, will help you see blind spots in your life. There are areas, and you may be saying, I don't need a mentor because I don't have any blind spots. Well, you can't see them. That's why they're blind spots, okay? That's, that's where we get the name from, okay? So you well, I don't need a mentor. Like, there's no area of my life that needs to be in check. There's no area that needs growth. That's why you need a mentor because you're getting ready to pull into another lane and hit somebody because you didn't see it. Paul says, truth and love. Find someone in your life that loves you so much that they're willing to tell you the truth. That was Paul. Everybody needs a mentor that's filled with love and truth. Number two, write this down. Good mentors share the good and the bad. Good mentors are filled with love and truth. And number two, good mentors share the good and the bad. Here's what Paul says. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but we opened up our lives as well. So when you think of the apostle Paul, I don't know what you think. Maybe you think 
New Testament hero. Maybe you think guy that wrote the majority in the New Testament, great leader, great mentor. I could never be a Paul. Like if I said, who do you uh, relate to in the Bible the most? Uh, like, I, I don't know if you would say Paul or not. Like, Paul seems to be on this upper echelon. Paul seems to be this, this guy that's like a saint in the eyes of so many people. And you think, well, yeah, of course, Paul says that. Of course, Paul's gonna be a mentor, but I'm not Paul. Can I remind you of who Paul is? <laughs> Paul's only been a Christian for a few years. And before he was a Christian, he was a murderer. Like a convicted, mur- bragged about it. I don't know what's in your past, but I doubt you're a murderer. Hopefully not. That was Paul. So for any of you that think you got an excuse, oh, I'm not smart enough, or I'm not good enough, or my marriage isn't great enough, or there's things about the Bible that I don't know, so that cancels me out as a mentor. Like, this is a murderer whose life was changed by Jesus. And he said, listen, I'm gonna give you the gospel, which is great news, it's positive, it is always good. But I'm also gonna open up my life because there are some mistakes that I've made that you can learn from. Hey, I'll shoot you straight. I don't want you to take this personal and make you feel bad. But my favorite way of learning things is when other people make mistakes and I get to learn from them. (laughs) Hey, real talk. If you can pay the consequence and I don't have to and I learn from it, I'm going to do it. But some of you are thinking, oh, I've made too many mistakes. I don't have a great marriage. I haven't always had a perfect marriage, so I can't help other people with it. Hey, some people mentor like this. Hey, I've done a lot of great things. Let me tell you how I do it. But some of the best mentors will walk into a room and say, let me tell you everything I've done wrong so that you won't make the same mistakes. That was Paul. He said, man, I'm gonna open up my whole life. Hey, check it out. I've done done some bad things. I've made some mistakes. I haven't always done it the right way. But if you can learn from me so that you don't make the same mistakes I did, then I'll do it. Man, we need some people that are, that are not just giving us their, their social media highlight reel of everything great that happens in their life. Like, I want to talk to some people that have had some bad days that are on the struggle bus right now, but they're still faithfully following Jesus. I, I want to talk to some people that have had some dark days in their marriage, but God brought them out of it, and they haven't always made the right decisions, but, but there's something that I can learn from them so that I don't go down the same path. Find you a mentor that does both, both the good and the bad, that's willing to share their mistakes, uh, but also their wins. They're going to lead by example, and they're also going to lead by their, their words. That's what the Apostle Paul did. He said, man, I, I gave you the words of the gospel, and then I gave you the mistakes of my life, and hopefully you can learn from, from all of those things. Third thing is this, last one. Good mentors are guided by a greater goal. Good mentors are guided by a greater goal. Paul was not interested in mentoring for a paycheck. He was not interested in mentoring for his own prestige or popularity. Paul said this, man, the reason I'm here, the reason I'm helping you, the reason why I wanna be a part of your life is I'm urging you to live lives worthy of God. Paul had this dream for the people that he loved people that were members of his churches, the people that he had invested his life in. He says, man, I want you to have a real, authentic relationship with Jesus. Man, I want you to live a life that is worthy of the reason why God placed you here, the reason why he called you and created you. Paul looked at the church and said, I want your life to count, man. I want you to make an impact on the people around you. I don't want you to waste it. I don't want you to look back on your life and be filled with regret and shame. There's something you can do right now to make an impact 
by taking someone underneath your wing and investing in them and also finding someone that, that you can connect with to be a mentor for you. So here's how you're going to do it. Um, here's my challenge to you. People in here, we have some, lots, that need to step up and be a mentor to someone. But if you are waiting for a 25-year-old to approach you after the service and say, hey, would you be my mentor? Um, it's not going to happen. Here's what people have done in my past. Pastors and older friends of mine came up to me and said, Nathan, let me take you out to lunch. And like, that was it right there. Like they knew, I was like, yep, I'm in. And we sat down and I can remember people looking at me in the eye and say, Nathan, what can I do to serve you? What can I do to help you? They didn't come in with an agenda. They didn't come in and say, listen to me, I'm so much smarter than you. I'm so much better than you. So just drink it in like a fire hydrant right now, Nathan. I'm going to pour it out. Get your notebook out. Nope. They literally say, hey, man, how are you doing? How's your marriage? How's your family? How's your heart and soul? How's your physical, emotional? How can I help you? How can I serve you? So I want to challenge some of you, like initiate a conversation today. Find some young couple and just say, hey, is there anything I can do to help you? Anything I can do to serve you? Anything I can do to come along beside you and, and man, just pour my life out any way I can help and just see what, what happens. If you're in here today and maybe you're a younger married couple or, or, or maybe you own a business, but you just got it off the ground and, and you need some help or, or maybe like growing in your relationship with Jesus and you're like, man, I want somebody to help me move forward. Uh, maybe you're, you're, you're trying to figure out what your finances are and you're like, hey, I want to I wanna honor God with my money, but, but I want to be smart with it and spending and saving and I don't want to be a slave to money and debt. So like, how, how, how can I do it? Man, we got so many different avenues for you to pursue a mentor at Revo. We got our groups that are launching right now. These leaders have a heart to invest their time and energy and effort into people that want it. And all you got to do is show up. All you got to do is go online and sign up for one. We have groups for married couples. We have groups for men and women, people that want to be better parents, people that want help with their finances, people that want to know how to read and study the Bible, people that want to know how to pray more and get better at communication with God. All of those options are out there. Just sign up. Like, just take, just take the next step. But if you want to get a mentor, like, don't, don't, don't wait on an older person to come alongside you and be like, hey, would, would you like for me to be your spiritual dad? <laughs> right? No, that would be weird, okay? Just go up to him and say, hey, can I take you out to lunch? I just want to pick your brain over something. Hey, it seems like, uh, like you've been married for, for a long time, and I want to be married for a long time one day. Can I just pick your brain over what it means to, to be married? Uh, or, hey, it seems like, like you're, you're a, a businessman or a businesswoman, but you also have a family and you're also involved in a church. And like, that's what I want to do. Like, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm not selling out my faith to, to, to chase down the, the almighty dollar in the American dream. Like, can I just pick your back? Like, how do you juggle family and faith and finances? And, and like, like how, just how, how do you do it? And just go up and ask them and just pick their brain, man. Just ask questions. There's no right or wrong way to do it. Like, just initiate the conversation. But I want to challenge you. Everybody is in one of those two boats. This is how God designed us to live with a squad, with someone that we were allowing to pour into us and someone that we were pouring into in that relationship. The Bible calls it making disciples that make disciples that make disciples. And that's why the church exists even today. As a pastor, uh, I get the, the privilege, the opportunity to you know, preach the occasional funeral. And it's always uh, a personal thing to sit down with the family and write a eulogy out. 
because these will be the last words that are spoken in public before their loved one is, is buried. And so family and friends come a long way. And there's an art to writing a eulogy. And I want to share this with you because you've got an opportunity this morning. You're writing something with your life. You're either writing a resume or you are writing a eulogy. A resume says this, a resume is all about what you did, but a eulogy is all about what difference you made in the world. Which one do you want to write? Mentors want to write a story about the difference they made in other people's lives. Not just the accomplishments they gained by themselves. A resume tells a person who you are. This is my education. These are my accomplishments. This is my path on life. That's what a resume does. But a eulogy gives a list of who you impacted. Paul didn't spend his life life writing a resume. If he did, we wouldn't be reading about him today. No one would know who this guy was. The reason we know the Apostle Paul today is because he spent his life writing a eulogy. How will I take what I know and impart it to the next generation? How will I pour my life out so that it changes someone else's life? And when they pour it out, it changes someone else's life. And thousands of years later, we're still being mentored by Paul through the Bible because he wrote a eulogy instead of a resume. Which one are you writing with your life today? Squad goals, man. Squad goals. Get a mentor and be a mentor. Have someone investing in you, and then you invest in other people. It's the way that God designed it. Don't leave without taking the next step in your relationship with God and with others today. Let me pray for you. God, thanks for the example of the Apostle Paul here. Thousands of years later, he's mentoring us. Thousands of years later, we're still reading of of the legacy that he left, the mistakes that he made, and the stories of how you used his life to change the lives of others. God, I pray that you would create in us a desire to do that on a spiritual scale. To be men and women that were constantly looking around saying, how can I pay it forward? How can I invest in someone else? How can I pour my life out so that Someone else can learn from my mistakes. Someone else can be challenged by my life. Someone else can experience the blessings that you've given me. So God, help us. Our pride makes us feel like we don't need a mentor. Our pride makes us feel like we're not good enough to mentor someone else. So help us to eliminate all of those things. Give us the wisdom and discernment to know what to do with the words that we have just heard. And help us to take whatever step you have for us right now. Pray and ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.